Welcome to the Sunday morning service at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia, where the Bible is opened and explained. Christians are encouraged and Christ is lifted up. Thank you for joining us and may your hearts be blessed as God's word is taught. And now, enjoy this message from Pastor Lauren Regeer. Take your Bibles this morning and let's go to John chapter 4. We are in a series entitled Christ is Our Life looking at uh, a conversation, a gospel conversation the Lord held by a well near Sychar as he ministered to one woman who needed Christ. Well, let's open together our time in the Word with crying out to God for His mercy. Father, it is Your book, it's Your Word. It's eternal and grafted, inspired, every word designed <clears throat> to draw us closer to Thee. Today, as we spend a few minutes Studying it, we pray that you would teach us how to have a hunger and a thirst for things that are eternal, spiritual, and Lord divine. I pray that you would give us a taste for things that are heavenly. We pray for uh, each one here that's uh, gathered. Lord, I pray that you would give us uh, just your heart. And we pray for that. We, we know that time is short and soon we will meet you. And prepare us for that meeting. We pray these things asking for your blessing, mercy, and help. <clears throat> In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we begin again uh, looking at the story that really is a, uh, an account, a narrative in progress. Here in John chapter 4, Brother Dan has read the verses for us. I'm entitling this particular message, Change Your Diet. This is always the time of the year where we talk about that. Should we cut back? What should we do uh, to, to lose a little bit of weight? And the question I would begin with as we look at this text is, what is your favorite food? Last night, Caleb uh, joined us for supper. Of course, he's staying at our house, but he joined us for supper. And as for dessert, I pulled out of the freezer some acai. And that's, of course, my favorite fruit from Brazil. And so he got initiated into that. But I don't know what your favorite food is. The Lord will challenge us in this passage about eating food that is eternal that is spiritual, not natural. So by way of introduction, the Lord and His disciples, as you know, if you've been following with us, are traveling uh, to, uh, through Samaria back to Galilee. And we've just listened uh, a couple weeks ago to a, a masterful presentation of living water. The Lord meets a woman by the well. And the disciples by this time are uh, probably a half a mile away in the little village of Sychar where they're buying food, they're hungry, they're traveling. And uh, almost, uh, almost by protest, the disciples have followed the Lord into Samaria, which was forbidden for most Jews to follow or to travel through. But they're learning about the, the Savior's love for the lost. And so the Lord has stayed behind. He's seated at the well or standing near the well, perhaps some shade there. And he begins a, a discussion with this lady uh, who has a, a very suspicious background, to say the least. The conversation was initiated by Christ. We saw that in John chapter 4, verse 7. And that in itself was very unusual. We talked about that last time. Number one, she was a woman, strike one. <laughs> the rabbinical code didn't allow especially rabbis, to speak with women on the street or in public very much, even if that woman was married to the rabbi. So he was breaking the cultural, customary code of ethics. So she was a woman. Secondly, a Samaritan, strike two, 
outside of the Jewish community, despised as unclean. And then thirdly, strike three, she had a poor reputation. The Bible tells us in John chapter 4 that she has had not one or two, but five husbands, and the one she's living with now is not married to her. You could call her the town floozy, so to speak, a woman of immoral standards, licentious. And so here he is speaking to her of all people. Why would God speak to her at all? Why would he risk his reputation, so to speak? The answer, of course, you know, is found in our text this morning, but it's locked in the heart of God. He's a missionary. He loves the world. He came to save, to, to love all people, not just the Jew, not just men, but women, boys and girls, men, women, the whole scope of humanity, God on purpose, the Bible said, he must needs go through Samaria. He had a divine appointment at a well. Well, now follow as we read verse 27. There is, first of all, the unspoken question. The unspoken question. I want to re refer to the screen behind us. Spiritual maturity is when our craving for divine bread becomes more satisfying than eating the stale crumbs of selfish pleasures. Well, the men return in verse 27, his disciples, and they come. <laughs> And they see the Lord in somewhat of, of a discussion with this lady from Samaria. And in their brains, in their minds, they are turning this situation over and they're asking two questions. You see them on the screen behind me in the, in the text in verse 27. Then came his disciples and marveled. They were astounded that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said... What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? You know, the Bible is amazing to me. The Lord alone has the ability to know what we're thinking. And he could tell, even though the question was unspoken, the question's exactly what they were thinking. By the way, God knows exactly what you're thinking today. He knows the hidden intents of your heart, your motives. Only God can do that. Another point of his divinity in the text, to me, is just simply the fact that God knew what they were thinking. God knows that. The thoughts are recorded for us here. And the first question is, Lord, what do you want from her? Don't you know that the code of ethics, uh, you're not supposed to talk to a woman in the street. No, not even, of course, to your own relative. That's the rabbinical code. It's astonishing, astonishing to us. Well, Jesus loves the world. He loves all, all men and all women and all children, boys and girls. It doesn't matter of your skin color, your background, your language group. Uh, God came because he loves the world. So Jesus answers these two questions, although they are unasked. If he had answered the first question, what, what, what are you looking for? What? Uh, they came, of course, and asked, what, what, why are you talking? What are you looking for from her? And had Jesus answered verbally that question, he would have said, well, I came and I simply asked her for a drink. In answer to the second question, why are you talking with her at all? What do you think the answer would be? Well, she gave me 
water from this well, but I came to give her what? Living water. I wonder why you are on this earth. Why are you here? What are you seeking for? What are you living for? Well, from these unspoken questions, we notice, first of all, that Jesus has come because he knows our hearts, he knows what we need, and even as he was speaking to this woman, he understood the greatest quest of her heart wasn't just to come and find fresh, we talked about this last time, fresh water from the bottom of this well built by Abraham and Jacob, refreshed. It wasn't just that she wanted a special kind. She was confused by that. How can you get this water? You have nothing to draw it with. And the Lord elevated the thought for her to think about eternal living water, spiritual salvation in Him. You know, all of our conversations need to lead from the natural to the supernatural, from what we see, the common things, to the things that are uncommon, to the human, to the, to, the, the, to the divine. Everything in us as we speak to others ought to be geared about what can I think about, what can I do, how can I seize this opportunity to lead this conversation to spiritual truths. So we see that this unspoken question elicited in the Lord a driving desire to talk about these things that are eternal to the disciples who came, the answer is, why did you talk to her at all, this unseemly woman with a reputation? Why are you even? Well, friends, the answer is because he loves us. He loved her. And while many would walk around this woman, the Lord spoke to her. Now, my outline is pretty simple this morning. There's another question Another point, it's the untended water pot. Don't miss the small details. It's amazing to me that John, the writer, as he's inspired by Scripture, inspired by the Holy Spirit, notices an untended water pot and puts it in the eternal record. Look at verse 28. The woman then, what does it say, left her water pot and went her way into the city. She has now been convinced of her sin, and where she started the conversation with, what sort of man would ask me, what kind of man would, you being a Jew, (laughs) why would, first of all, a man speak to me who's not familiar with me, and number two, why would a Jew speak to me? And then she says, you must be a prophet, and then finally the Lord, before this uh, conversation uh, ends with her, verse 26, he says, I am the Messiah. And at that moment, providentially, the disciples come to hear this, and they're hearing him say something that he has not yet spoken to the Jews. He's saying to this woman, I am the Messiah. What a declaration. And so there's been this truth building in her heart. Number one, that you're more than just a man. You're more than just a Jew. You're more than just a prophet. And by this growing conviction, his statement about her her husband's in the lack of one now, her sordid life. There's this growing conviction of sin and this desire for a Savior. And now this lady who has been all about finding delicious water from the bottom of a well finds the taste of living water so sweet. And there, 
you got to be careful about reading too much into the text. I don't want to do that. And the over-speculating, I don't want to do that. Maybe she just forgot it there. <laughs> I don't, but the Bible doesn't say that. It says she left it. I think there's some purpose to this. She has carried this water pot all her life, probably daily, for a half a mile there and a half a mile back. And now her heart is full of living water. What is your heart full of? What does it do to old water pots in your life? There is a, a new spirit within her. She's met the Savior. I believe she's been converted. She knows, who she, she knows who she's been talking to. This is not just a man or a prophet. This is, this is the Messiah. And in her heart, there's just been longing for doing more in her life than carrying old water pots there and back. Listen, if you're unsaved this morning and here, aren't you tired of carrying around old water pots that cannot satisfy? And Christian... I speak to you. Maybe you've been saved five, six, ten, twenty, fifty years, and shame on us. If all we can talk about is the weather, if all we can talk about is our bank accounts and sports teams and fishing and whatever else, even our grandkids, if that's all that we're caring about and not mentioning to others, there is someone at the well who is the Messiah. He's here. I've tasted of living water, and there's nothing like it. So with a spring in her step, she wasn't going to be encumbered or burdened with this old water pot. Now, I know she'd have to go back. But she is so excited about this new taste, this new love in her life that superseded all of her daily chores. And with haste, she ran back to the village. And one after another, she talked to the man and said, come and see somebody who knows everything about me. He's a stranger, but he knows about my past. He knows about my sin. And he's been the answer for me. And he can be the answer for you. And dear friend, dear Christian friend, if, you, if you've come to the place in your life where there's no more joy, pray God for a revival in your heart. You carry a new living water in your heart. And let me say this, it's a whole lot better than lugging that old clay pot around. Amen. Maybe you've been so excited about whatever but it's not eternal. May God give us a new desire, a new love for living water. And she ran to the village. And she, one of the greatest, I think one of the greatest marks of true conversion is that you want to tell somebody else about what you have. Amen. I mean, I, I jump in there. I jump in there when it's my turn to talk about the weather. You know, I can complain with the worst of them. 
I jump in there and I talk about my grandkids and I think they're the smartest and the brightest and the cutest. You do too, if you have them. I'm the, I, I'm the first to bring up the good things. I love, I, I love some days in Georgia, not all of them. I love some of them. I, Saturday morning I woke up and I said, Lord, thank you for this. There's no place like Georgia. Now there have been some days where I complained a little bit. But you know what? How quick am I to run to my village, to my neighbors, and say, I want you to know that less than a half a mile away at that well, there's the Savior. He's here. He's near. Please come. Would you please come? Would you meet him? We talk about him every Sunday. Would you please make that half a mile trip or whatever? It's worth it to come. Would you come meet this one that knows all about us, all about our sin, and how there is a remedy for it? And it's in Christ. She was changed. And when she got to the village, what happened is there was a crowd that began to follow her back. And that's what's happening in this text. We see that she gathers a great multitude of her friends and neighbors, and here they come. Here he, uh, he, talks to, he talks to them. In fact, they're beginning to come as his, as his disciples ask the question about this spiritual diet in verse uh, 30. The Bible says, they went, the men and the ladies and the folks began to follow this, this evangelist, this woman who's been changed by the gospel of Christ, by Christ himself, She's a tasted living water, one of the first in the village to come to Christ. And she wants to tell, and they're beginning to come back out towards the well. And at that moment, uh, the meanwhile, the disciples prayed, asked him, saying, Master, eat. After all, we've gone a whole mile to get this food for you. We've gone a long way. Yeah, that's the third point this morning, the uneaten food. Uh, and Lord, I don't know what it was. It was four months before the harvest. We find out from a verse that Brother Den read for us a little later on in the text that was, don't say that it's still four months till the harvest. So we're guessing it's around December or January. And the, the diet probably consisted then of some bread. They went to the village and they bought some bread, maybe some dried fish maybe some dried figs or fruit, some winter leeks. I don't know what was growing at the time, but they brought this. It wasn't fast food either. It took them, it took them a long time. It was a sacrifice. They got there and the Lord says, no, thank you. Don't want it. Thanks, but no thanks. And then what does he say? Verse 32, I have food, meat, to eat that you know not of. And that created spark curiosity among the disciples. Therefore said the disciples one to another, has any man, hath any man brought him ought to eat? That's very unusual. Number one, he is a Jew in Samara, Samaritan land. And who would have ever done that for you? We went a long way <laughs> to get this. That's when he says, don't say there's four months. He has left this food to the side, his uneaten food. How many of you love to eat? My hand is up. 
I've eaten three meals a day uh, since I've been about two or three. Before that, I, of course, uh, had a diet of milk. And right now, some of you are probably thinking, I wonder what my wife has made for lunch. And maybe if you're the cook of the house, you're thinking about that roast. You're looking at your watch. That roast that you eat on Sunday, I'm sure you do. Every Sunday, you have this big roast and potatoes and gravy and apple pie. Am I making you hungry? <laughs> and this food, and the Lord was hungry. They came to him. Master, verse 31, eat. And they're surprised because he says, I have food to eat that you know not of. And they misunderstood, just like the lady at the well. They assume he's speaking of literal food, physical food. She thought at first he was talking about the, the water in the well. And so they ask him, uh, has somebody brought you something to eat? Who would have done that? And then he says, verse 34, if you'll follow in the text, my Bible says that Jesus said unto them, my food, my meat, the meal I'm most interested in is to do, what does your Bible say? To do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. My food then is the accomplishment of divine priorities. I, I, I'm here, never forget this, I'm here on a mission. And men, there's nothing more exciting to me than to share the truth that I am the way, the truth, and the life to people around me. And that is so satisfying to me that I don't even need this. I'm not interested in this. What a lesson that is. When's the last time we have missed a meal to just, because we're so excited about gospel telling? When's the last time we've set aside human pleasures for the divine satisfaction of eternal treasures? And so the, they don't know exactly what's transpired. All they know is that the woman has taken off and left her water pot, and, and here there's coming this great crowd of people from the city, and the Lord won't eat his food, and he's talking about this diet that he has or this food that they don't know about, and all he's excited about is sharing the truth of the kingdom that it's now, that he is the one, that he has come. It's not religion, he told her. It's not your church that saves. It's not the temple that saves. It's me. I'm looking for true worshipers in spirit and truth, and she has realized that he is the answer. It is so satisfying when we get saved, amen, and it's so satisfying when we lead others, others to Christ, and they come to know that there is finally an answer to the deepest longing of their soul, and when you're in that exchange and God does a miracle inside the heart of somebody you're witnessing to, you go away from that saying, Lord, there is nothing better in all the world. Amen. I was, Robin was with me as we went to the hospital where just two days earlier, Brenda Barnes had, had brain surgery, very sensitive, critical. It's a, a very delicate surgery. 
and they removed this large tumor from her brain. And she was up walking two days later, and we happened upon that scene as the nurse on her arm was leading her back to her room and sat her down on her bedside. And Brenda immediately began witnessing to the nurse two days after brain surgery. I want to ask you something. Just a few days from now, we'll all meet the Savior. It's just a little while. And he will ask us, so what did you do with your life? How many people did you tell about me? Oh, you're here. You must have heard. But what did you do with your commission? How much did you enjoy your spiritual diet? It was his overarching desire overarching desire to see others come to know him and worship him in spirit and truth. So he's teaching his disciples a lesson, and the lesson is you, you don't want to be satisfied with this food, though you went a long way to get it. This isn't it. This water isn't it. It's spiritual in nature. That's the only water that will satisfy. It's the only food that will truly satisfy you. Dear Christian, if you haven't been eating that food and sharing it with others, then you're missing the point because what does the Lord say? My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. In other words, the Lord is saying, I've come because I have a divine unction from heaven for my father and I'm only going to do what he's asked me to do and I'm only going to be satisfied when at the end of my life on a cruel cross, I can cry out, it is finished. Paul, at the end of his life, said, I have run my race. I have finished my course. Henceforth, there is laid up. Don't go to heaven before you're through. (laughs) Don't die before you're done with your heavenly commission. You're not here by mistake. You've got a heavenly calling to share that with others. And so it is we must learn to love His heavenly diet, his spiritual food, his manna from heaven. So next time we meet, we'll continue talking about this exchange. And we'll look at three more thoughts, the unseen harvest, the unexpected request, and the unlimited love of Christ. But I want to end, before we partake together, I want to end with one of my favorite illustrations about a man that was committed and consumed with this heavenly diet. He was sharing his faith with a man at the mall. They were seated waiting for their wives to return. As men will often do, they get out shopped by their wives. So he was waiting and decided to open a conversation with his friend about heavenly things, about heavenly manna, living water, And they were engaged in the conversation, and the man finally, after sharing the gospel, looked at the fellow seated on the bench beside him and said, now is there anything standing in the way of you receiving Christ today, right here in the mall on this bench? And the man said, oh yes, there is, and he pointed to his wife who was coming down the hallway, 
And he said, that's the reason I can't get saved right now. She wants to go home. So the lady comes up and grabs him by the, uh, by the sleeve and says, honey, let's go, let's go. And as she's walking away, she asks her husband, she says, why in the world are you talking to that stranger? <laughs> I warned you about that. What were you talking about? And, she, and he said, well, she, he mentioned to me that there was a way to know that I'm on my way to heaven, that I could get saved. That's what we were talking about. And she said to her husband, that is none of his business. To which the man replied, oh, honey, if you would have seen the look in his eye, And the tone of his voice, you would have declared it is his only business. Why are you here? What is your calling? What does the Father will for you? What is your commission? Go. And as you're going, Preach, teach, evangelize, disciple, baptize, and let people know how sweet is the taste of living water. Amen. Father, we tend to forget, because we're human, we tend to forget our commission. We tend to forget the sacrifice of your dear son as we gather around these precious reminders You've ordained the church to lift up uh, as often as we do it to remember your great uh, redemption of the lost soul. I pray that we would not forget as we travel about, as we live our lives, that it is not about us, that we are not our own, that we're here on borrowed time and we have a great commission. And Lord, with our heads bowed now and thinking about this, even before we remember what you've done for us, Calvary. Lord, I pray that you would convict us by your own example of how you loved the unlovely and went out of the way to meet folks that needed to hear. Not all, not all responded, but thank you for those that did. Lord, I pray that today you would bring us closer to that sense in which we need to be like you in this. Lord, help us to change our diet Make our favorite food heavenly manna. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, if you'll join me here up front, I'll ask the deacons to come as they're coming. Let me... Thank you for joining us today. Please tune in each week for new messages from Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you.